0: Today we're continuing our study in the 1st Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12 is basically about spiritual gifts and how to use the spiritual gifts in the life of church. And the body of Christ, of course, is a universal body of Christ. Invisible church, meaning the entire population of Christ's followers are belonging to the body of Christ. But it is also critical for us to remember that this Christian life, church life, what we will call the body life, the life in the body of Christ, is actually utterly important to practice it in a local church. Apostle Paul didn't write it theoretically about the spiritual gifts and usage of spiritual gifts on a universal church level, he wrote this letter and addressed each points, practical points, to the local body in the Corinthian church in first century. So let's start with recap from last week, verse 1 through 11 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. There are four things that we need to cover. The first one is a Paul starts with the validity of spiritual gifts, true spiritual gifts. It shows in the work of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who illumines the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned last week, it's not just merely saying no one can say Jesus is the Lord verbally, but in heart to really see that Jesus is the Lord of the universe in a sense that the first century people understood the lordship of Caesar, lordship of a master as a servant. And the Christians, when they said Jesus is Lord, that was a full-weight confession that they will follow Jesus as their Lord, as their God, as their King. And no one can do that without the uh, illumination of Holy Spirit in our hearts. So which means, as J.I. Packer mentioned, when the Holy Spirit shows up, his floodlight ministry, remember that? Points to Christ. He points to glory of Christ. And when we are impacted by the work of the Holy Spirit within us, it doesn't point to us, self-importance and self-glory or even organizational glory or local churches' glory, but the glory of Christ. And that is the evidence, is the true spiritual gifts. Number two, the origin of all spiritual gifts are from the same Lord, same Spirit, same Lord, and same God. And Apostle Paul's thought process was genuinely, intrinsically of the triune God. Trinity of God concept was deeply embedded in this. In short, God is the one who gives grace through Jesus Christ. Well, maybe we should say, God is the one who gives us grace, which is Greek word charis, from which we got a lot of our girls' names, charis, right? So more of an Americanized word. The Greek word is charis, and Apostle Paul uses that. God gives us that charis to us, and through the Holy Spirit, in Christ, he gives the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Charismata. Charismata. From which we got the word charismatic or charisma. The charismatic movement almost thought of it as as people who believe in speaking in tongues and second experience of the Christian life it's called a baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit. Well, actually, in biblical terminology, definition, on this First Corinthians 12, everyone who belongs to Christ has charismata. We are charismatic in that sense. The purpose of the spiritual gifts are for the common good of the church through the manifestation of the Spirit. I think those are important words that Paul uses. Common good is a building of the body of Christ. It's for others. It's it's to edify others. But how is it different from our natural abilities and talents? one may have the natural gifts turning into the spiritual gifts. One may have the the kind of gift that the person really didn't have before and that strength and ability shows up because of the Holy Spirit after the conversion. Either way, the most important point is the work of the Holy Spirit shows up, manifestation of the Spirit shows up on that gift and through that gift. In other words, Holy Spirit uses us to continue to the work of the Holy work of Jesus Christ through the body. Jesus' body, physical body is in heaven, and so in in on earth, the body of Christ, each member of Christ's followers, those who belong to Christ, are actually the parts of the body, and Jesus is the head of the church. So, the analogy of body of Christ, Paul uses, is very potent. And I'll explain a little bit more later. So, it is never for my own satisfaction. Uh, I mentioned that a lot of times finding out personality temperaments or this test and IQ test and different things is basically to edify myself. The work of the Holy Spirit through our spiritual gifts is never for ourselves. We might be edified, but our edification is ultimately for the edification of the body. In other words, for example, the gift of intercession, people who pray, oh, nothing, nothing like prayer, revitalize, revitalize the spirit. The person's sharp, spiritually, the person's vitality is apparent, but because he or she continually intercedes for other members, other people, other missionaries and lost people, the people who are in uh, marginalized, continually pray for that so the body is edified. Lastly, the recipient of spiritual gifts is not just the spiritual elites, but every believer in Christ Given by the Holy Spirit as he wills distributes as he determines, so we don't get the call we could desire honestly desire childlike desire, but God has the wisdom through the Holy Spirit distributes his gifts so think about this if Everyone has, every believer in Christ has at least one or mixture of gifts, and it is the purpose of the common good, uh, edifying, building up the body of Christ. The rest of the chapter is about that body life. The question that we're asking is simply is, how should we build up the church with our various different kinds of spiritual gifts? Number one, in building up the church we are to acknowledge that we all belong to one body through the baptism of one spirit. And notice that the, the title of the message, the sermon is a Unity in Diversity. We could even reverse it. Diversity in Unity. The Paul, Paul points He stresses every single point and he starts on unity first. Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And all were made to drink of one spirit. Notice that entrance or the pathway to one body of Christ, to the church that Paul mentions, is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is actually Christ Uh, prophesied and John the Baptist point you know I baptize with the water but one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit the oneness in Christ the immersion of our union with Christ happens when Holy Spirit indwells in our lives when does it happen? In our regeneration process. When we are being saved. So this is what the so-called charismatic movement got off track and emphasizing too much on experience rather than what the scripture plainly says. They took it as uh, understandably so. They took it as though those who be believe in Christ and they're kind of very mediocre, stale Christians, and there was a, some kind of experience happens, and all of a sudden there's a spiritual awakening, and oftentimes with some kind of gifts, and they, in spiritual uh, gifts of speaking in tongue, happened in charismatic movement and those revival meetings and gatherings, and supernatural things happening, so they consider as a. Second experience is needed, and they, they called it a baptism of the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit, uh, in the Holy Spirit. Extreme case, Pentecostal movement, before the, it, it became widened uh, movement. It was so extreme to say that unless one speaks speaking in tongue, he or she does not have the Holy Spirit because there is no baptism of the Holy Spirit, because of sign. And therefore, it comes down to, he or she might not be a Christian. In an absurd way. Now, in the charismatic movement, no one will say that. But still the emphasis on experience, some type of emotional experience, uh, charismatic experience, and the, with the emphasis of speaking in tongues. Notice this passage refers to everyone by grace, through faith, who come to Christ are baptized with the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit into one body. So in this one body, we don't really have to try to create the unity of the church as if it's something that we're responsible, let's try the unity but actually unity is already there Christ has accomplished for us the point is that we are to preserve the unity so it, like, the expression could be like this your, your children is disruptive argumentative. That what we say is try to become family. You are, try to become his brother. Try to become his sister. You don't say that. Act like brothers. Act like sisters. Act like we're family. We, we don't do that in family. Families don't act like that. Care for one another. In the same way, The unity is already there. Christ's blood has accomplished the work of salvation. Holy Spirit has given to us as the gift of salvation to each one of us. So in this one body, all who share one Holy Spirit as the gift of salvation are united in Christ. How should we build up the church with our spiritual gifts? Number two, in building up the church, we are to exercise our various gifts through active involvement in the body life, which is the emphasis on diversity. Um, As Paul is very intentional in choices of his word, whenever I try to give these principles as a, as a uh, more of a, the structure for, to, to, on which we could hang our thoughts. I wordsmith a lot. It takes a lot for me to really think about these simple sentences. And then there is a reason for I use the word exercise various gifts and through the active involvement in the body life. See if you could catch that. Or I could co- come up with my own ideas in that. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot says, say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, now do you begin to see the, not only hyperbole, but it's humor that he's using. So just imagine, I am standing here, one whole eye standing in front of you. Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were single member, where would the body be? Paul's asserting here the importance of interdependence. This is a very difficult concept for all Americans. American idealism number one is, if you're really man, if you're a really confident woman, it rugged and individualism. John Wayne is highly revered because in the wild, wild west, he could survive it on our own. The woman who has strong mind, doesn't need a guy next to you, even makes it as a G.I. Joe girl, is highly revered in our culture. Rugged individualism. Independence is highly valued. And we actually men's group talked about this. We don't really, every one of them are really doing well and nothing's so needy that we need each other so much. So we don't feel like lack of motivation is there. Get together, involve each other, move into each other's lives. And most of us feel like this. And Paul, actually for that reason, asserting the importance of interdependence, he first focuses on those who are passive or lack motivation. Oh, they don't need me. I didn't show off for Sunday, home group, man's group, woman's group, for a few weeks. Nothing's wrong. Everything's going well. I can't sing like him. I can't sing like her. I can't play guitar or drum, or I can't preach like him. So I might as well just sit. To be honest, this is a strange inferiority complex. These people who are, might be so ambitious in their career and outside the church, all of a sudden when they come to church, it becomes like, oh, I don't know the Bible enough. I don't have the creativity enough. Or my wife can lead it. You do it. Gen- Exodus study. Go ahead. <laughs> you know. <laughs> to them, Paul is saying, basically, can you think of I of a foot to saying to the hand because I'm not a hand. I cannot move the fingers like that. So I don't belong to the body. It would be absurd, Paul, Paul's point. And Paul's point is also to what if the entire body is in here or I? Do you see it? Your role, your part is important. Interwoven in the cause of health and vitality and vigor of the body. And what is so sad, and because of this rugged individualism, God married into the matrimony of, with consumerism, basically what happened in a church in Western society became a bunch of people who do nothing, who desperately need exercise. And the people, maybe less than 20 or maybe less than 10%, people who need desperately rest, who's trying to do everything, overly involved, overly responsible. That's the nature Of typical church. We're boldly declaring, men and women, brothers and sisters, listen to me. We are trying to break away from the current of the culture and saying our church, it is not 10%, 20%. We're not looking for volunteers because we are all members, not volunteers. We have every member ministry. Crossriess ministry is every member ministry. And another misconception: misconception. Because of consumerism. We hire staff, a small church like us, one pastor. Okay, he's hired. He is supposed to do the work of ministry. Let's see if he could do well. And actually, the Bible says, the pastor's role is equip each member of the saints so that each person can do work of ministry. So, if we we are after biblical vision of the church, I am not supposed to do everything. If I am doing everything, I'm enabling you. And thank God in our church people are owning the vision together. There are brothers and sisters who are worried in a good sense about the health of body as much as I am. I am not the only one. I'm not the problem solver. I'm not the counselor. I'm not the spiritual shepherd all by myself. In the worst situation, Burnout. Every pastor gets burned out. And the, he, I, I, I belong to a um, pastor's group for that reason. About five, six of us sit around once a month. And the confession in the absolute um, safety. We share our burdens. And the stories that I hear is horrendous. It's not just affecting their ministries and church. It's affecting their personal family life, marriage life, in every direction. Their health, their mental health, as well as spiritual health. That's a kind of low bottom of this uh, results of the consumer-oriented church. And the other side is the pastor's at the top of the pyramid. He is the king, he's the boss, he's the CEO. He gets to decide everything. Everyone else is helping him to accomplish his own vision. This is not the church according to the vision that Paul is describing here. Another wrong model is a bus model. Pastors driving, who's sitting on the right seat and who's supposed to be off the, we don't need that kind of members, problem training people. (laughs) It's a business model. Our model is the body of Christ. So Think about this. How do you get your body healthy? As you know, uh, the older I get, the, all, a lot of different aches and, um, and you know, I have health problems. One thing that is life-giving for me, I usually swim five times or maybe six times a week, usually mile and a half. And when I come home, come out out of the body, and all of a sudden I was tired going into that, dragging my body in there. All of a sudden there is a rejuvenation. There is not only physical strength coming back, I feel healthy, I could breathe better, but also my emotional strength. Why? Because you know that they say swimming is most ideal exercise. Because it, it exercises every part of the body. That's it. How do you get the body healthy? If every single one of us become active using and exercising, that, that is the reason why I'm using the word exercising spiritual gifts. Lest we think, I don't know, what my gifts are, so I'm going to wait until I find out. No, you find out by, through active involvement in the body life. When you get to know brothers' stories and sisters' stories, those of you who have mercy gift, the mercy will come out. The gentle touch means so much. Listening ear, the most person who has wisdom and discernment but those person who has a, who has an exhortation gift, come out. Those who are help gifts, practically help. And so many times I am in the middle of the street. Something happens to my car. The first call, first thought is I do pray. Okay, <laughs> I call Sam. Sam, this happened to me. And so many times his help was. Instrumentally helpful, edifying for me. Another point is less you think, because another misconception about using and exercising spiritual gifts is for the program of the church. There's not much, right? Sunday, can I be in worship? I think not. Last time I sang, was in the shower only, you know. Teaching kids oh i I don't do well with kids oh, how about PowerPoint stuff ah, I'm not techy so there's really not much body of Christ doesn't exist for put for the program when you think about the body life is actually. Vigor and passion of Christ is a overflowing from us to reach reaching out to the ends of the earth. Our ministries in somewhere in remote place of China because of work of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Our ministry can be. In our backyard, reaching out to the people who are not saved, who do not know really true meaning of eternal life in Christ. Our ministry could be in the streets of poor neighborhood in Santa Ana. Or India, as Robert went. And right here in the backyard, You see, unless we have active involvement through the body life, we will never really get to know our spiritual gifts because you know the val- validity of spiritual gifts is the work of the Holy Spirit but if you really think about um, how do you really know what you like to do is really building up the body of Christ is the affirmation of the body you guys know I love to sing. And I, What if I insist that my spiritual gift is singing? And every time when I sing at home, everybody sings. Could you be quiet, Dad? You know? <laughs> but whenever I shared my insights and listening to the couples or, or sharing the God's gospel or teaching God's word or training people in listening uh, reading the Scripture, people are edified. Their lights and eyes are wide open. That I could cultivate more. I think I spent a little bit too much time on this. Let's move on. Number three, in building up the church, we are to recognize the need for one on another, one another as one body of Christ. This time, Paul's emphasizing unity in diversity. Verse 20, As it is, there are many bo- many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I, do, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable; we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Remember the first time he went to the people who lacked motivation passive, even feeling a little inferior when it comes to spiritual things, not necessarily career. But this time, as he continues on the importance of interdependence, Paul now focuses on those who are overly confident. Those who are independent. This is a rugged individualism. It is so easy to say, I have no need of you. I, I don't I don't need others. I could do fine. And our church is full of those people. Especially because of the life season, also too. And if you're one of them, give heed to the scripture guidance. We need them desperately. You don't really know the impact of other parts unless you are in crisis. And anyone who went through crisis knows how valuable other members are. Just a little bit of encouragement. One line of email. One cup of cold water helps. Tremendously helpful. And I know for a fact when Apostle Paul talks about what is seemingly weaker is actually more important. So true. We take care of our, our visual part, especially the guys who will work on the forearm a lot, right, to look good and abs. But what about the invisible parts? As you know, I know firsthand because of my brother's kidney failure and years of difficulty and resulting in speech impediment and and right side of inability to move much. All resulting because of one organ stopped functioning. Kidney, basically doing dirty job of the body, right? Filters out. And we don't see it. And Paul's point is, it's actually not the people on stage. Could be including the pastor, charismatic, eloquent speaker. Whoever sings beautifully, whoever does it beautifully, might not be the really crucial part that is indispensable under the visual level there are parts that's so critical I have a love-hate relationship with my mom because of her inability to stop telling me about how to eat healthy and eat vegetable and green and lose weight and keep going but one thing I am so thankful she's, she's a intercessor when she says she's going to pray for me she, I know that so do I want you to know there's something critical coming at, at church the first thing that I do is I call my mom could you pray for our retreat could you pray for our night could you pray for this could you pray for my heart, disturbed by this? And how I know it? Because sometimes my mom will call me, even the past experiences I had, and my mom would call me all of a sudden. I didn't tell her anything. Is everything going okay? Why, mom? I, 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 I had this dream at night. And you are calling my name. Mom, Mom. She, I walk up 30 in the morning. You sounded like in desperate need. So I'm going to pray for you. Guess what? Many times when I was going through tough, emotionally, spiritually tough time, including the time that when I had made a decision for free fall, resigning from the big church, large church that I served for 12 years coincided how did he how did she know even in our church people who are behind the scene praying for brothers and sisters there's Saturday morning early morning the people gather maybe even beyond that so we need each other so uh, we are to live out God's wisdom in designing us that independent, interdependent way as a me- individual members of one body of Christ. Let me close with this fourth point. In building up the church, we are to fulfill God's will by celebrating the diversity of spiritual gifts in one body of Christ. And it, once again, flipping again the diversity In unity. Verse 27 Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, and administrating, and various kinds of tongue. Are all apostles? are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. As he concludes, Paul is emphasizing the diversity of gifts there are seven rhetorical questions Paul asks. The answer to all seven questions is resounding, no. No, not all are apostles. No, not all are prophets. No, not all are teachers. No, not all do work miracles. No, not all do possess gifts of healing. No, not all speak with tongues. No, not all interpret the speaking in tongues. What is the point? The point Paul is making, once again, is that we are to celebrate the different gifts and value them. Um, As I promised, I'm going to mention... Just briefly about each gift, a little bit. Once again, our church is not a cessationist. Which, those who believe the temporary gifts are only for the first century church and it, it, it ceased to exist. Uh, what the other term for the people who believe that spiritual gifts, including the miraculous gifts, still exist? are called a continuationist. Makes sense, right? Continuationism is something on the spectrum, not in a Pentecostal way where we don't really believe the apostles are still exist in the authority level of divine authority of God equated with the scripture. No. Apostles in two different meanings of it in the old New Testament era those who are selected by Christ himself and sent out with full authority that he gave. gave. There are the written, uh, there are the living scripture, the supreme authority. We don't have that at all. But the secondary is the people who are sent by the church as missionaries, as pioneers, uh, a lot of times even the New Testament book of Acts will mention that in that sense we could have those people who are continued pioneering but their authority is way beyond I mean way below the scripture authority or divine authority that has no fault same thing with prophecy New Testament prophecy I agree with Wayne Gridham or people like John Piper saying that this is not same as the Thus saith the Lord type of equated authority with the scripture level, divine authority. But person who could speak the mind of God in a very prophetic way and in this locality, in this specific situation, not in a universal way, can continue. We believe that and the teachers obviously, do teaches and pastors are part of this there are different interpretation on first and second and third I do not think it's a ranking of importance because so far what he has expounded is actually going against it but it is more of a chronological uh, The gifts to, for the establishment and building of the church Apostles came first, and prophets and teachers. And notice that he does mention miracles and gifts of healing, the plural, because uh, gifts of healing, is the person who has a gift, gift of healing doesn't mean that he could heal. So in that sense, to the, as I mentioned before last Sunday, I stand behind, behind it. There is no such a thing called healer. God is the one who heals. In the apostle's case or Peter's case, they did not even, as an apostle, supernatural uh, healing, the signs of wonders happen. But even them, it was not on command every single time. So we could earn, yearn for that gift of spirit gift of healing, when we pray for our brothers and sisters. Maybe someday we'll do a special series on spiritual gifts more. But I want to conclude with this. Think about this. What was really obsessed gift, highly revered gift in um, Corinth, as well as a charismatic movement, speaking in tongues. Paul deliberately lists that gift as a last one. F.F. F. Bruce, a theologian, respective theologian, summarized chapter 12, 13, 14 in one sentence. What is important is not speaking in tongue. Rather, it is love. That's it. That's what chapter 12, 13, 14. Obviously, much more than that. That's why verse 31 ends with this sentence. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. I will show you a still more excellent way and chapter 13 is all about love love is most excellent way of using exercising spiritual gifts but there's a little bit of problem I, I, we, need, we need to mention what is the higher gift there are various different interpretations one would say the higher gift is actually love itself but he doesn't call love as a gift, more of a way, a character, fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the other one would say, going the other extreme and saying, well, remember that he said a weaker uh, part of the body is more indispensable. Maybe the, that those are it. But it's obscure. He doesn't mention clearly. And some other people are saying, be gifts like a prophecy and teaching, and more important, uh, doesn't go against. It doesn't go along with his point of interdependence of all gifts are important for the health and vigor of the body. What I do believe, I think it makes more sense when when it comes to spiritual gifts of speaking in tongue, unless there's an interpretation in public. It doesn't edify anyone. So he's actually trying to take their attention off, overly emphasized on gift, one gift to a spiritual gift of tongues. He said, anything else that you could edify the body. Prophecy is definitely named in chapter 14, which is better gift, higher gift than speaking in tongues. The important thing is love. If we really learn this most excellent way, so next week, maybe because this chapter is so important and so uh, comprehensive, we might take about two messages or even three. Let me conclude with this quote and excerpt from John Stott, my book mentor. He writes, although there is one body, one faith, and one family, this unity is not to be misconstrued as lifeless or colorless uniformity. We are not to imagine that every Christian is an exact replica of every other as if we had, we had all been mass-produced in some celestial factory. On the contrary, the unity of the church, far from being boringly monotonous, is exciting in its diversity. This is not just because our different cultures, temperaments, and personalities, which, though true, is not Paul's point here but because of the different gifts which Christ distributes for the enrichment of our common life. Saving grace, the grace which saves sinners, is given to all who believe. But what might be termed service grace, the grace which equips God's people to serve, is given in differing degrees according to the measure of Christ's gift. The unity of church is due to charis God's grace having reconciled to us to himself but the diversity of the church is due to charismata God's gifts distribute to church members. Let's pray. Father at least it's clear what church life ought to be, even in our day, today's world. Teach us to follow this model of body life, turning away from consumerism, turning away from rugged individualism. Teach us to be interdependent with one another. I pray for the people who, are, who have been really passive at our church They will actively get involved in the body life so that they may begin to see the spiritual gifts coming out in that life. And would you affirm them? Would you give them joy? And would you teach them how to use it for the body, the edification body in love? We pray for all of us who struggle with individualism and thinking that we could be more efficient on our own, not needing anybody, complicating our lives. Teach us to open up our hearts to brothers and sisters, abandoning our porcupine dance. We pray for the glory of Christ uh, to be revealed In our body life. Thank you Lord. We pray all these things. In the name of the Father. Of the Son. Of the Holy Spirit. Amen.